This is the Seven Hills Church Podcast, where you'll hear incredible teaching from our very own Pastor Marcus Meekham. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe anywhere you get your podcast to get brand new episodes waiting for you every week. You can also download our free smartphone app to see even more exclusive content and to get connected with the life of Seven Hills. Let's get right to the message, and thanks again for being with us. Genesis chapter 21. Let's get to the Bible. Let's get right to the Bible. And we'll look at verse eight. The child grew and was weaned. And on that day, Isaac was weaned and Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, speaking of Ishmael, had was mocking Isaac. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman, Hagar, and her son, Ishmael. I'm adding there just so you can understand the context. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. And this matter distressed Abraham greatly because he was concerned for Ishmael. But God said to him, do not be distressed distressed about the boy or Hagar. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also because he is also your offspring. The next morning, Abraham took some food and skin of water and gave it to Ishmael and Hagar and he set them on their shoulders and sent them off. And she went her way and wandered into the desert. I wanna talk to you about what happens when the miracle and the mistake are in the same house. We live in a world that's filled with mistakes, but void of miracles. And oftentimes there's so many mistakes going on all around us in our lives, in our homes, in our relationships, that we get so focused on the mistakes, we miss the miracles that God's trying to bring into our life. The background of this particular story, for those of you who who maybe don't know a lot about it, Abraham had left the place that um, he had been raised. God had led him to a place called Canaan. There God had blessed him, had blessed his obedience. God had blessed his, his, the work of his hands. He was supernaturally blessed as far as financially and Uh, the land that he had possessed. And Abraham was at a place in his life where he was looking around and he was recognizing that he had no one to pass on this inheritance to. He had no children. And so he's thinking about the work of his hands. He's thinking about how he's followed God with his life. He served God with his life. And he's looking around and he's wondering it's kind of void and empty because he has no one to give it to. He has no one to pass it on to. And so he goes to God and he says, God, I don't understand how you would lead me to this place, how you would bless me, how you would, would do all of this for me, but yet not give me a reason to pass it on a legacy to pass it on to. And he's in the middle of the night. He's praying. He's, he's stressed. He's worried. He's worked up. And God says, I want you to go outside, Abraham. 
And I want you to look up into the sky and I want you to begin to count the stars. And so Abraham goes outside and he starts to look around and God says, when you get done counting, come back and I'll talk to you about it. So Abraham goes one, two, three, four, five. There's the little dipper, six, seven, eight. There's the big dipper. Keeps counting. Several hours later, a thousand. Oh, that's, that's Mars. That's not a star. He finally, after hours of trying to count the stars, gives up. He comes back in. He says, God, I can't count the stars. There's too many to count. I've tried. I keep losing track. And God says, exactly. What I'm going to do in your life, you can't calculate. You can't measure. It's beyond, beyond your wildest comprehension. What I'm going to do in your life. And I promise you, if you'll continue to be faithful to me, you'll have that legacy that you're dreaming of. You'll have that promise that you're dreaming of. So the Bible says Abraham believes God and it was counted to him for as righteousness. And he begins to follow his heart and continues to work. Five years goes by, six years goes by, no son, no child. Seven years, eight years, nine years. Finally, after 10 years, Sarah looks at her husband and she can tell he's discouraged. She can tell that his heart has grown sick because that hope has been deferred in his life. And so Sarah comes up with this idea and he says, she says, why don't you just go ahead and we're old, you know, just Hagar's over there. Why don't you just go sleep with Hagar and God can give you that promise through her. And so Abraham goes, sleeps with Hagar nine months later. Now he's 86 years old and Ishmael is born and he begins to love Ishmael and raise Ishmael. This is the promise in his mind that God had given him. But immediately Hagar and Sarah are at one another. They can't, Sarah can't stand Hagar. They fight, they're rivals, they're angry, they're at each other all the time. And after 13 years of this fighting and this chaos and, and this, this constant contention in the home, God comes to Abraham and he says to him, Hey, listen, I'm not done. I'm not finished. I still going, I'm still going to give you that promise that I gave you. And, and Abraham says, no, you gave that to me 13 years ago. And God says, no, that's not the one that's your way. That's what you did, but that's not what I have planned. I've got a different way. And Abraham starts to laugh at God and says, I'm 99. There's no way at this point in my life it's going to work. There's no way it's going to happen at all. And God says, I'm going to do what I told you I would do. And one year later, he's a hundred years old. Isaac is born. And now Isaac is grown up a little bit and they have a dinner and at the table, there's Isaac and there's Ishmael and Ishmael, the Bible says, starts to mock Isaac. The mistake starts to be hostile towards the miracle. The mistake starts to torment and harass the miracle. Isn't it interesting that mistakes are never too far from your mind? They're kind of always there harassing you, humiliating you. You try to pray and the mistake is there standing up saying, you can't pray. 
you're not really, you're not the real thing. You know what you've done. You know the kind of places you've been. You know the thoughts that you've had. You can't pray. You try to worship and the mistake is there to stand up, to try to harass your worship and mock your worship and mock your desire to, to come into the presence of God. You try to make a decision to say, God, I want to live higher. I, I'm going to make a commitment, a fresh commitment to, to be greater than, and, and to not live this in this mistake anymore. But that mistake is there constantly to haunt you. Mistakes rob you of your joy. They raid your peace of mind. They try to rule your life and ultimately ruin your life. Isn't it amazing that 1% of our life, one event, one mistake, one season, one relationship, one, one moment of our life can find its way and infect the other 99%. How the one thing, the one season can try to define the rest of our life. So we see that the mistake and the miracle are in the same house. And the mistake is mocking the miracle. Ishmael is mocking Isaac. And the Bible says Sarah watches it and she says, I want you to get rid of Ishmael. And not only Ishmael, but I want you to get rid of Hagar, the one who gave birth to him. I want you to not only get rid of the mistake, but I want you to go deal with the source of the mistake as well. I want you to go deal with the one that carried it, birthed it, nurtured it, and raised it. I want you to go all the way. They used to say it like this when I first came to Christ. Don't just deal with the fruit. You've got to deal with the root. They used to say, don't just get on the surface of things. You've got to go underneath the surface because if you don't deal with the root, then it's going to come back. So that's what Sarah says. I want you to deal with the source. Well, the source of the mistake, Abraham immediately knows what that is. Abraham knows that several years back, he was in Canaan. He had altars that he had built, places that he had met with God, times that he had met with God. He had he had these great encounters with the Lord, times that God would speak to him and times that God's presence would show up in his life and give him clear direction. And, and there was a time when a famine hit and Abraham decides that I don't want to stay around the altars and the places that God has led me and met with me. I'm going to try to get away from this. And he didn't listen to God and he went back down to Egypt. And in Egypt, we know that this is a place that God did not lead Abraham. God did not call him. God did not in any way speak to Abraham. God was not in Egypt. Egypt in the scripture is a picture of the world. It's a picture of bondage. And so Abraham goes down to Egypt. And while he is there, the Bible says Hagar enters their life. Hagar initially wasn't a massive issue. You know, she was just there to help Sarah around the house. She was there to take the edge off there to reduce the stress, to carry the burden, to make things easy and bearable. Initially, she was the slave, but she ended up over time enslaving them. Isn't that funny how that works? We let all kinds of things from the world enter our life and we think we control it, but before we know it, it starts controlling us. We think we got it, but before we know it, it's got us. 
We think the career is something, but before we know it, it it's all consuming, right? We, we, the, you got to be careful to, to not let the things of this world end up enslaving you. And so that's what happens. Abraham goes from his altar, goes from the place that God had met him, goes from the place that God had spoke to him, and he goes to Egypt. The Bible says in Isaiah 31 and verse one, woe to them that go down to Egypt. They do not seek the Lord. The problem with retreating to Egypt, the problem with retreating to the world in your famine, in your spiritually dry season of life is you pick up things there that are detrimental to the miracle that God has promised. Notice it didn't take long before Hagar and Sarah become rivals. It didn't take long before the mistake and the miracle begin to fight. And Abraham realizes, I messed up. I missed it. And now he's spending years managing. Over 13 years, he's been managing the chaos, the confusion, the strife that one is fighting with the other, that one is trying to pull him one way, the other's trying to pull him another way, and he's dealing with this constant tug of war, and he can't get to the other side of it. Notice that the mistake causes him to lose focus of that night that God took him outside and said, look at the stars. Start counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, Remember that night, you couldn't count. Remember that night, I told you what I would do. You can't calculate. Remember I told you, you, you couldn't measure it, Abraham. And Abraham lost sight of it because the mistake robbed him of the miracle and the dream in his life. So Egypt led to Hagar. Hagar led to Ishmael. And now a home of faith is filled with the presence of a mistake. And finally, God says, this mistake is not your legacy, Abraham. This mistake is not the dream that I gave you. When you counted those stars, this is not what I had in mind. Ishmael is not what I had in mind. I've got a miracle for you. I've got, I've got a promise for you. And Abraham starts to laugh, remember? Could I tell you just real quick that you would crack yourself up on the inside of you would take just a moment and even believe 5% of what God is capable of doing in your life. If you would just give yourself just a little moment and quit trying to fit God down into your little mistake and your way and all, all that you, and if you would just let God for just a minute, expand your vision and expand your, your ability to see what he can do in a life if you'll just give him permission to begin to give you the dream, give you the vision that is in you cannot calculate or measure it. So the miracle comes along. Isaac comes along and the miracle starts to get attention in the home. The miracle grows up. The miracle starts to have presence. The miracle starts to mature. The miracle starts to talk and have a voice and have a say and sit down at the table. And the Bible says that Ishmael begins to torment Isaac. The mistake tormented the miracle. The mistake badgered the miracle. 
The mistake harassed the miracle. And this is where I can relate so much. Because the mistake and the miracle many times are living in the same space. They're living in the same life. They're living in the same house. And in this story, the mistake realizes in Abraham's life, I'm not a part of his future. Abraham's outgrowing me. I've been in his life for 30 years, over a quarter of a century, but Abraham is starting to get that I'm not a part of where he needs to go and where God takes him. Your future has nothing to do with the mistakes of your past. And what the mistake is afraid of is that you would get a vision of your life without it harassing you and robbing you of the promise and the miracle that God is going to bring into your life. And so I'm going to finish with three quick thoughts from this story and we'll bottom line the message and we'll get on with our lives. Number one, the mistake couldn't stop the miracle from being born. The dream is still possible in spite of the mistake. The mistake never had the final say. It doesn't matter how much faith you have, how many miracles God brings into your life, how much promise he gives you, how big of a vision God has given you, you still will have to learn at some point to handle your mistakes. I love this. Ultimately, people of faith will have to acknowledge, I still make mistakes. But I can outgrow my mistakes. I don't have to get stuck with the mistake. The mistake cannot stop the miracle from being born. Number two, they're at a feast. The mistake in the miracle. So mistakes and miracles have to be fed. The mistake is hungry. The mistake is thirsty. The mistake wants your time. It's going to demand your attention. It's going to demand and drain your energy. So eventually you have to decide which one do I want at my table? Which one do I want to feed for the rest of my life? Do I want to keep giving all of my resources to the mistake when I could be giving those resources to the miracle in my life? Number three, you have to evict the mistake. It don't go away on its own. You have to decide which one do you want to live with for the rest of your life? Because Sarah made it clear it's time to evict Ishmael and Hagar. I'm not living with that mistake for one more day, Abraham. So you have to choose me and Isaac, the miracle, or you have to choose Hagar and Ishmael, the mistake. We're not living together any longer. Abraham, you have to decide which one you want in your life. 
Abraham goes to God and he's distressed, the Bible says, because he looks at Hagar and Ishmael and he knows it's my fault. I did this. I, I created this. This is the consequence of my bad decisions. I have to live with it. I, I can't have a life without it. They're my responsibility. And in his mind, he thinks I've got to live with this mistake forever. I've got to live with the pain. I've got to live with the shame. I've got to live with the regret. I've got to live. I've got to live with it forever. And God says to Abraham, don't distress about it. Would you just give it to me? Just give it to me. I can take way better care of it than you can. I can handle it way better than you can. You've managed it long enough. You've nurtured it long enough. You, you, you've tried to live your life with it long enough. Abraham, would you just give it to me? And Abraham finally decides, God, I'm going to give you the mistake. And the Bible says he sends Hagar and Ishmael off. The very mistake you feel like you have to live your whole life with, you'll never escape. You'll never get over it. You'll never heal. There comes a time when God will ask you, would you give it to me? Would you trust me with it? Would you, would you, would you just take just a minute and, and quit living your life thinking that that past thing has to be a part of your future? What's your mistake? What's that thing that just haunts you and mocks you and just, you have to feed it all the time it's just constantly at the table tormenting. The vision that God gave you long ago. Abraham, he lived with it for 30 years, 30 years until finally he says, God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to send it off. I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to cast my cares on you for you care for me. It's amazing how many people let the 1% ruin the 99%. They let the one mistake, the one season, the one divorce. It bleeds over and it affects their health. It affects their career. It affects their relationship with their kids, their friendships. Just the one thing ruins everything. But what God said is, Hey, I want you to take that thing. I want you to shrink it back down. It's not your whole life. Abraham shrink it down and give it to me. It's not all of your life. It's a moment of your life. It does not have to ruin the rest of your life. Shrink it down, give it to me and start to feed that miracle. Give your attention to the miracle. Give your Give everything you've got to the miracle and the promise that I have for you. Isn't this what Jesus did? He's at the last supper. His miracles are all around him. Peter, James and John, Andrew, 
They're all there. He's poured his whole life into him. The miracles are there. But then he says it, not me. There's a devil at his table. Judas, right? And he's looking at the miracle and he's looking at the mistake. What does he do? He gets on his feet or on his knees and he starts washing their feet. And Peter says, you can't wash my feet. I can't let you do this to me. And Jesus corrects him and says, I'm, you have to let me do this because there's one amongst you that I've got to give to God. There's, there's a mistake here and I've just got to go ahead and say, I've done everything I can do. I've prayed, I've talked, I've let the mistake go everywhere with me, but the mistake isn't going to get rid of itself. And so I'm going to have to give it to God. And that's what Jesus did. He gave Judas. He just said, I'm going to wash his feet and just go ahead and let him, let God handle it. Let God deal with it. Let God, I'm not talking about the people in your life, by the way, y'all understand what I'm saying, right? Let's stand up to our feet. I love this song that we sang and I just want to take some time today. And I've thought about so many different ways we could end this, but really the greatest thing about being together is just worshiping with you. And I don't know, even in our nation, you know, that's the mistake and the miracle growing up together, huh? It's just so they conflict so much. What do we do with the mistakes? How do we deal with the past? But at some point, we've just got to say, God, the future is greater. The future is brighter. We're not going to forget the stars. We're not going to forget that you still want to use America. You still want to use the church of Jesus Christ. You still want to use us. You're not done with us. So when Caleb and the worship team wrote this song, I love this song about Yahweh for this reason, you know, in, in the old Testament, the name of God was so holy that they were afraid. They had such reverence for God. They didn't even want to speak the name of God. They had such regard for God. They didn't want to say his name. And so the Hebrews came up with a way where they would stop and pause. Whenever they were in a conversation about God and they had to refer to him, they would stop and pause and they would inhale. And then they would exhale way. And that moment where they would stop and pause and breathe is how they would give that moment to God. So can we just lift our hands in this moment and recognize he is holy. He is, he is so awesome. He is so good and there's no mistake. There's nothing in your life that you cannot outgrow, that God cannot give you the necessary abilities and skill and grace and mercy to mature out into the miracle 
and the promise of the dream that he's given you. Can we sing his name together for just a moment? Yahweh. season, he went to a place that God didn't call him. Has anybody felt like maybe in this Corona season, it's kind of been a dry time too, spiritually dry. What I've noticed is, is I do believe that God has used this season, but I also know the devil's wreaked havoc on people's lives in this season. Come on. And we pick up some things in those dry times, don't we? We pick up some Hagar's just some things that we start to lean into that we know are not honoring to him, we know are not his will for our life. Some mindsets, some, some, just some, some things that we know are not his, his best for our life. And so Father, today we take this moment. And Father, we're not necessarily out of this famine. But Father, we stand in faith that the times of refreshing are come, coming. The times of renewal are coming. The times of revival are not just going to be talked about, but God, they're going to be lived in. Father, I thank you for the Abrahams. Father, those who have built altars in their life, and maybe they've walked away from some of those altars, but God, we return Father, once again to those altars, we return once again to meet with you and trust you and put our full confidence in you. And Father, we give you any harassing, mocking mindset or attitude that would rob us from the miracles that you're calling us to. We get a vision once again, God, of what you wanna do. We're not going to allow the years or the seasons to rob us of the vision and the dreams and the promises you put in our hearts. In Jesus' name, remind us today. Even if we would, in our minds, laugh at you that there's no way, it's too late, it's too far, it's been too much. 
Father, we thank you that your word is true. Like that song says, that word, your word has the final say in Jesus' name. If you believe that and you receive that, can we give God a big praise together? That's all for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, there are just a couple next steps we'd love to highlight. First, you can subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with brand new episodes every single week. You can even share this with a friend by clicking that share button you see right there on your screen. We'd also love to hear from you. So if you have a comment, you can visit us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Seven Hills Church. Lastly, we want to say thank you to those who give generously to this ministry. You're helping us impact thousands. You can click on the link in the episode's description to give now or visit us at sevenhillschurch.tv backslash give. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time.